Hi, I'm Walter Harvey, the senior pastor at Parklawn Assembly of God. Parklawn is a church that both regular attenders and even unchurched people love to attend. Why? Perhaps it's because we seek real and authentic relationships. We're a multicultural church that's engaged in volunteerism and outreach in our community and world. Let's face it, we live in a real world. Young people are facing challenges in their school, relationships, and career choices. That's why we're focused on practical matters, such as making faith work in family, career, and community issues. If you're tired of church as usual, or you don't go to church at all, then Park Lawn Assembly of God could be the perfect place for you. Come check it out this weekend. We have services each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. Park Lawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. And so today we're continuing going deeper in this, in this art of neighboring. And I want to just let you know that great neighboring, it starts with understanding and practicing the art of receiving. The art of receiving. You remember when we used to grow up, when we were growing up, and mama sometimes would send you next door to the neighbor's house and borrow a cup of sugar. Go over there and ask Miss Brown to give me two eggs. We didn't have any problem with that. We were, it was, it was easier to receive. But some of us, it's hard to receive. Pride gets in the way. There's some enemies of receiving. Pride is one of them. Independence is another one. Perfectionism is, a, you know, all of that gets in the way. You know you need some eggs, but your pride won't let you. You know, we're going to eat this cake without eggs, you know. I, you know. She got, she got chickens in her backyard over there. All you got to do is go just ask for some eggs. But no, no, independence. Pull myself up by my own bootstraps. And look how your cake tastes. You won't go over there and ask for some eggs. You got a problem with receiving. We're so inclined to give that we fail to receive God's grace. Grace is really receiving. I want you to say that with me. Grace is receiving. Say it again. Grace is receiving. It's receiving. It's receiving. God is the giver. He's just looking for some folks who want to receive. Who will admit, you know, I need some eggs, Lord. I don't have any. I need some sugar. I need some healing. I need some forgiveness. I I need some grace. But no, I got it all together. God's like, all right, I got everything that you need, but you want to act like you don't need it. That's the way your cake going to taste. In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, Jesus reminds us, he says, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, Jesus is the he's the master teacher when it comes to knowing how to love your neighbor. Because Jesus loved and accepted people right where they were. He didn't try to change them before he loved them and accepted them. He went to where they were. He loved them for who they were. He didn't condemn them, even though he could have picked up the first stone without sin. He didn't. He listened. He demonstrated a lifestyle of amazing grace. Now, when he says it's more blessed to give than to receive, it's true. Everybody likes to be in a position of being a giver. 
It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Because when you're giving, you feel more in control. You feel more empowered and less needy. Even when the offering comes around. Some of us, we, we hate the offering because you, if you don't have anything to give, you feel condemned. Nobody told you to feel that way. That's human nature. Because it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. No one likes feeling like they are a burden. Like they're always in need, even your neighbors. They want to give something. If you throw a block party, don't cook everything buy everything, and just tell the neighbors, hey, y'all come on to the, to the block party. You know what they're going to ask? Can I bring something? Oh, no, 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 I have it all. I've, I've prepared everything. You just come. They're going to feel like they're a burden. No, let them bring something. But what if they bring wine? Well, let them bring their wine. Some of y'all ain't got no problem with wine anyway. You're looking all sanctified. Come on. Y'all can't wait till this little communion juice is gone so you can go home and, and really open up the, let's really have communion now, honey. No, let them bring what they want to bring. Let them listen to the music that they want. Oh, we're going to play Hosanna, Hillsong, Blessed, Amazing Hymns. Can I bring some music? Can I play my song? Can I, can I sing my song during the karaoke? Yes, let them sing their song. We want to be in control. But grace is receiving and it's so hard for many of us. There's stories in the Bible of, of examples like Peter, Simon Peter. When, when Jesus had his last meal with his disciples in John chapter 13, after the meal was over, and that's what communion kind of represents, his last meal. Jesus took a bowl of water and a towel and he began to wash his disciples' feet. When he came to Peter... In verse 6, Peter said, Lord, are you washing my feet? <laughs> Jesus answered, said, listen, what I'm doing to you, you don't understand, but you'll know about it after this. Peter said, Lord, you will never wash my feet. It's so hard to receive. And Jesus said to him, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. So Simon Peter said, Lord, not just my feet, but also my hands and my head. And it was in that same chapter, in verse 34 and 35, that Jesus taught us the great commandment to love one another. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And how do you do that? It's by giving and receiving. But it's so hard for some people to get saved. Why? It's because we feel like we got to do something to earn it. But then it wouldn't be grace. Because it's by grace that we're saved through faith, not by works. If it was by works, you could boast about it and said, I've done it myself. It's undeserved kindness. It's unmerited favor. You can't work for it. You can't be good enough. He just gives it to you. And some of us are like, no, I'm good. I, I don't need that salvation. But you know your life is toe up from the flow up. You know your life is empty. You know you're not in the place with God where you need to be. But it's so hard to receive because it's grace. Grace is no good unless it's accepted, received, and welcomed with humility. We sing that hymn, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. But grace is only amazing when it is received. 
Grace is the most powerful weapon on the face of the earth, but it is only activated when you receive it. That's when it becomes amazing. Peter was an example. Is another example who found it hard to receive grace. His name is the Apostle Paul. Yeah, we, in Acts chapter 9, uh, we're introduced to Paul. But in, in Paul's own writings, he described his own transformation. In the book of Philippians chapter 3, he talked about his, his education, his Ph.D. in theology. He talked about his heritage, his ethnicity, his tribalism, his religious practices, and the fact that, that he was better than anybody at keeping the law. When it came to ceremonial duties, when it came to holidays, when it came to, to sacrifices, when it came to religious duties, Paul said, I excelled at all of those things. I was better than the best. And in fact, he had this performance-based religion that you've got to do certain things in order to please God. And he felt like he was pleasing God even when he was killing Christians and signing their death sentences. And it was in Acts chapter 9 that the Lord met him and humbled him and knocked him off his high horse. He brought him to a place of vulnerability. For three days he was blind. He needed somebody else to lead him. He was dependent on somebody else. He had to receive. And the Lord spoke to one of his disciples in that city named Ananias and said, I want you to go to this street, go to this house. There's a man named Paul there. He's praying. I want you to lay your hands on him because I'm going to use him. But God couldn't use him until he got to the place of receiving grace. And when Ananias laid his hands on him, his eyes were opened up and he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he was released into his purpose and his destiny. Some of us, we, don't, we won't get saved until you get grace. You won't get healed until you receive grace. Until you allow somebody else to do something for you by laying their hands on you. And when Paul got this revelation of grace... In fact, he's called Saul in Acts chapter 9. The first time we hear the name Saul, it was the first king of Israel. This tall, dark, handsome, kind of look like me, this good-looking brother, this, this first king of Israel. His name means desirable. That's what Saul means, desirable. And when he got a revelation of grace, he said, don't call me Saul anymore, call me Paul, which means little. Call me small because I'm the least of the apostles. I'm the, I'm the least worthy. And there's another example. Moses found it hard to receive grace. Moses, this, this prince of Egypt who was destined for the throne to be next in line, to be the next pharaoh, thought that he could deliver God's people with his own human strength, his own intellect, until God stripped him of his title, stripped him of his power, Stripped him of his citizenship, and Moses fled for his life, living on the backside of a desert, following his father-in-law's sheep. And when God met him, he said, Moses, before I can use you, you, you got to just take your shoes off. you got to strip yourself of everything, because you are standing on holy ground. And that was the beginning place for Moses to receive the grace of God. Can I let you all know that the reality for all of us is that we're just like Paul, we're just like Peter, we're just like Moses. We got a hard time receiving. We got a hard time letting people do anything for us. And if you got a hard time with letting people do stuff for you, you got a harder time with letting God do things for you. You're trying to do it in your own strength, but the reality is that you can't even change yourself. 
Come on, if you could have changed yourself, you would have done it by now. I wish you could change yourself. <laughs> you can't change your spouse. You can't change your children. Stop worrying about them. Stop talking about them. Stop nagging about them. You can't change it. Your words ain't going to change them. Your denial, your holding back, your manipulation ain't going to change them. You can't change your co-workers. You can't change your school classmates. You can't change your neighbors. It's not by might. It's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. It's only by grace that the mountains in our lives are going to be tear, torn down. Some of us, we even struggle. We struggle when it's, when it's time to receive communion. You mean Bishop ain't, ain't going to give me communion? Who are you? You going to give me communion? It's somebody I delegated. I want you to pray for me, Bishop, but, but I delegated some prayer team people to pray for you. But I want you to. You got a hard time receiving but I, I want you to come and visit me. I want, I, but I got some people that, that, we've, that we've trained and we've, we've delegated, we've anointed. What causes us to resist grace? Pride. Independence. Impatience. Judgmental attitudes. A performance mindset. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. So we have to learn this lifestyle of grace. It's, it's giving and receiving. This is an invitation for you today. I'm telling you, every one of you are here. This is an invitation for you to just take your mask off. Let's, let's see the real you. The real you. The you when you leave here. The you when somebody cuts you off in traffic. Let me see your podcast playlist. Let me see your iTunes. Let me see what kind of music you listen to. That's the real you. The TV shows that you watch. The real you. Take your mask off. Take off the hypocrisy, the false spirituality. If you don't do that, then you are going to continue to fly around as if you are super Christian. Here I am to save the day. Super neighbor. I'm the savior of my neighborhood. I do the block parties. I do the prayer, Lord. I'm the only one who's righteous on this neighborhood. Everybody else are as filthy rags. When you act like you got it all together, you cancel out the power of grace. Super Christians cancel out the power of grace. Because they act as if they don't need anything, not even from God. Everything we get from God is by grace. It's undes you don't earn it. It's undeserved. It's unmerited. You don't labor for it. You receive it by faith. Even Jesus couldn't perform miracles in his own hometown because his own family and home hometown rejected him. It was too easy. They were too familiar with him. Let me tell you why this is so dangerous. That you need to learn the art of receiving. Because if you don't, and you continue to live as this, this super Christian who has no need, who has all the answers, who has a, a perfect life, and that's just a mask, because I know ain't nobody like that. 
I've been saved long enough. Besides, before I got saved, I had some common sense too. Let me tell you why it's so dangerous. That if you live by canceling out grace, then your salvation ain't even real. Wow. Your salvation ain't real. Your testimony is tired. It ain't real. If you cancel out the power of grace, your healing is only temporary. Your deliverance is self-willed. You didn't get delivered by the power of God. You got delivered by your own human will. You know, willpower. I stopped smoking in 13 days. (laughs) Well, you let somebody blow some smoke in your face when the saints ain't around. You got another one of them squares, man? (laughs) Your fellowship is even phony. I can't even be myself around you. Your fellowship is phony. You're no fun to be around. Your praise is plastic. Up here on our communion table, we got plastic grapes and plastic bread. From a distance, it look real. <laughs> when you get up close to it, like, no, they ain't real. So from a distance, you look like you got, woo, you got your praise going. Let somebody cut you off in traffic. What come out your mouth then? Is it hallelujah? Thank you, Jesus. Is it your praise is just plastic. It ain't real. Your prayers are pompous and pious without grace. You're praying as if, Lord, I thank thee that I'm not like this tax collector. I'm not like other men. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of everything I have and and I give and I go and I pray and I do and I pray for five hours today, Lord. I thank you. Your prayers are pious and pompous because you have not learned the art of receiving grace. Your walk is like a peacock. It's not humble, but it's proud. It's arrogant. Even the advice and the counsel that you give is demeaning. You talk to people as if you've never sinned, as if you, I never would do that. How could you ever? I thought if you prayed and if you practiced the word, then you would not be tempted. Can't even talk to you. You can't even help me because you talking to me like you up here and I'm down there. Even the service that you offer in the house of God, it's paralyzing to the people of God because you're doing everything. You are, you're giving all the time. You paralyze other people who want to give. Nobody else can serve because you serve every service, every Sunday, every week, every month, every year, so nobody else gets to do the job. You paralyze the body of Christ because you've not understood grace. And even the way you look is critical. You just look, y'all keeping up with me up there? Even your, thank you. Even your look is critical. You got your glasses all pulled down and you looking all down your nose at people and you just look like you don't understand grace. I don't even want to look at you. You look like the law. 
<laughs> right? And you know what happened when the law show up? We slow down. Like, <laughs> you just been 15 miles over the speed. Let the law pull up and everybody just five miles under the speed limit, right? I'm going to do that till you leave. Then the real me going to come back. If you live like this super Christian, you're falsely believed that you have all the answers to every situation. You believe that you always have to be in the posture of giving because if you start receiving, that implies weakness. That implies that you don't have it all together. Guess what? You don't. That implies that you have to be humble and vulnerable and, ex- and you risk the exposure of people really seeing who you are. always have to be in control you never admit that you have a kryptonite y'all remember superman as bad and strong as he was able to leap tall buildings faster than the speeding bullet you let somebody pull out a little piece of that green rock in front of him some of y'all y'all got trouble with that other rock and that's your kryptonite that's your kryptonite but we all got a kryptonite we all got a kryptonite Oh, don't act like you, I'm so saved, I'm never. Okay. He that thinketh he stand, let him take heed, lest he also fall. Let me tell you what the tragedy is socially of being this super Christian. The result is that you lack true friendship. You don't have any real friends. You know why? Because people don't like you. You're not real. You're God. They feel bad when they're around you. You therefore live in isolation. Proverbs 18.24 says, A man that has friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And when you don't show yourself real, people say, you know what? I can't really be around you because I can't really show you who I am. Because you ain't showing me. I know that ain't the real you. Let me give you some keys to being a better receiver. Very simply, you can follow in your, in, your hand, in your bulletin as well. Number one, get over yourself. Get over yourself. What did I mean by that? You ain't as good as you think you are. You're not. You're good, but not that good. <laughs> Compare yourself to somebody else. Yeah, you might be better than one or two, but there's somebody better than you. But none of us are as good as Jesus. So get out of your own way. Get over yourself. Get out of God's way. Number two, get comfortable being naked in front of true friends and family. (laughs) I don't know why parents used to tell us when you go out the house, make sure you got on some clean underwear because if you have an accident... You go to the hospital and they take your clothes off. I don't want them to think that I put on some dirty underwear that I don't keep a... Wait a minute, mama, what's all that? That ain't got nothing to do with, with you. If I'm the one in the accident, what does it matter what mine? They, go, they ain't going to be clean for long anyway if I have an accident. Right? 
Bamanam wasn't comfortable being naked with their mess, with their dirt, with their sin, with their faults in public. Can I just let y'all know, when I step out the shower, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it right here. I'm, when I step out the shower, I'm cool in the mirror. I'm real, really, I'm good with me. I'm good. I know some of y'all get out the shower, y'all grab the towel as if somebody is in there with you. Ain't nobody in there but you. You hiding from you. You ashamed even of your nakedness physically. You can't, you running past the mirror. Put some clothes on, then I'll come back and look in the mirror. I know if I'm telling the truth. In the same way, you got to get comfortable with your mess with allowing people to like Adam Adam where are you stop hiding I, I can see your mess I know you messed up but where are you Lord I'm hiding I heard you call me but I hid because I was naked he had this self-consciousness about his own performance God's not shocked God's not surprised when you sin He's God. He already knew. He knew Peter was going to deny him three times. He even warned Peter. But he said, I'm still not going to give up on you, Peter. After you denied me, come back and strengthen your brothers and feed my sheep. Let me give you the third key. Is begin to get in a posture of asking for help. Just get comfortable asking for help. We were created that way by God. We were created to live in community. It's not good for man to be alone. In fact, Paul in Galatians chapter 6, he rebukes those Christians who want to do all the giving and never be a receiver. He says in verse 1, brothers and sisters, so he's talking to Christians. If someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And if anyone thinks that they are something, when they are not, they deceive themselves. So God created us to live mutually dependent upon each other. And we only grow when we are in connection with one another. Hmm. Let me give you an acronym for being a good neighbor. It's simply to love your neighbor. L-O-V-E. The L stands for lost people. Lost people. Lost people do the things that lost people do. You remember when you were lost? You sinned a whole lot. Stop condemning the world for acting like they're supposed to. Don't, ask, don't expect the world to, to just beat down the doors of the church. and I can't wait to get in. What time service start? I think I'll stay for both services. No, they're lost. Don't expect them to come to Sunday school, prayer meeting, pass out Bible tracts. They're lost. Expect them to cuss. <laughs> Why are you so surprised and so offended? I can't believe. Do you listen to the music? Do you listen to the lyrics of, yeah, they're lost. Stop expecting them to act like Christians. They don't belong to God. They're not his children yet. When, when, when my son was growing up, I whooped him because he was mine. I didn't whoop the neighbor's kid. 
I didn't whip the little boy across the street even though he deserved it. He didn't belong to me. God whoops his kids. Why you want to try to whoop the devil's kids? Why you want to try to whip them in shape and change them and condemn them and browbeat them to act like God's kids? They're not his yet. Another reason that we don't understand grace when it comes to lost people, it, it breaks my heart when I see Christians who act like they're happy that the world is lost. They act like they're happy that the lost are going to hell. That, that is, that, you know, it's like little kids when they, when they got a, an ice cream cone and the other kid didn't, they would just stick their foot out and say, nah, nah, the boo-boo, I got an ice cream cone and you don't. And that's how we act with the world. I'm going to heaven and you going to hell. We act like we're happy that they're lost. Us versus them. We miss an opportunity to share Christ. Because we don't understand grace. But Jesus, he loved spending time with lost people. Because they didn't wear masks. And, and, and so he was criticized because he spent time with prostitutes and with, with drug uh, with, with, with alcoholics and with, with tax collectors. And I'm sure that the religious people would say, I hope he up in there evangelizing. I hope he in Matthew's house with them tax collectors telling them they need to stop stealing. They need to give some of that money to the church and, and, and tell them prostitutes they need to stop, stop stripping on them poles and put on some clothes sometime. Jesus, what you doing up in there? He said, well, I'm just kind of hanging out with him. You know, we're having a good time. I heard some music today. Y'all ever heard of Frankie Beverly and Mays? He spent time with the, Christian, with the lost folks. Y'all remember when Snoop Dogg dropped his album, The Gospel of Love? His people, I, hope, I hope Snoop Dogg ain't deceiving them Christians. I hope they in the recording studio telling him he need to, he need to stop smoking that weed. He need to... I hope Tasha Cobb witnessing the Nicki Minaj. Yes, Jesus. Well, we just kind of having a party. You know, you should try it sometime. Because in the midst of Zacchaeus' party, he stood up and said, Lord, I give half of my goods to feed the poor. And if I've robbed anybody, I restore them threefold. And then Jesus stood up and made a toast. He said, you all drink what y'all drinking, but I'm going to make a toast with this right here. Today, salvation has come into this house. Because this man, too, is the son of Abraham. He really got saved. And when you do that, then you can move to the, to the O in loving your neighbor, which is offering solutions. First Peter tells us that we should be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks the reason of hope within us. The O is offering solutions. But if you're not spending any time with lost people, you don't have any relationship with them, you're never going to be at a place where you can offer them a solution. Y'all staying up with me? We know, y'all know we all know, right? Thank you. All right. It's in your bulletin. It's in your bulletin. <laughs> Sometimes we forget where the Lord found us. You remember Isaiah 6, and the Lord said to Isaiah, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Who's going to offer the solution to the people that are lost? And Isaiah said, here am I, Lord, send me. 
And he reminded Isaiah, I'm sending you to a people that have eyes, but they don't see. They have ears, but they don't hear. They have hearts, but they don't feel and receive. I'm sending you to lost people, Isaiah. But then I, re- I read in those first six verses where Isaiah at one point said, Lord, woe is me, for I'm a wretched man, a sinner undone. I live among a people of unclean lips, and I also have sinned. But the Lord sent one of the angels to take coals from the altar and touch Isaiah and heal him from his sin. And we forget that God gave us grace. We don't want to offer any grace to lost folks. Let me go to the V. The V is just simply being vulnerable. Being vulnerable. Showing people, hey, I got some kryptonite too. You're not by yourself. I put my pants on one leg at a time also. I go to the bathroom too. Can I let y'all know something? I pass gas every now and again. I'm a bishop and I pass gas. I know that's a news flash for some of y'all. I didn't believe it. I thought when you became a pastor and a bishop, you didn't get constipated. Listen, I'm just being vulnerable with you all. Some of y'all act like you ain't never had a bowel movement. And maybe that's why you're so constipated as a Christian. You just, you just, need, you just need to have a good bowel movement. A whole, I just release an anointing for good bowel movements. In the name of Jesus. And if you over the age of 55, you're going to thank me for that prayer. Because y'all know when you get older, you start talking about bowel movements and medication and stuff. Right? Start talking about your conversation change. You start talking about your aches and your pains. And I found a new pain today, girl. I went to Walgreens today and they got a sale on this medication. Boy, you can't wait to share that good news. Just be vulnerable. Let me give you the E. The E in loving your neighbor is speak English. And I don't mean this in a derogatory way at all to anybody of another ethnicity who speaks a different language. And what I mean by this is just speak plainly and clearly. Don't talk to your neighbor from the King James Version of the Bible. And every word you say is bless God. Amen. You know, I saw the Brewers play today and bless God. You know, and thank God and the Christian yellow. Oh, man, bless, bless God. for Come on, just talk English. Just leave the Christianese at home. The art of receiving begins with the art of confession. My worship leaders, come on back. But the art of receiving begins with the art of confession. Confession is really just admitting, I did it. I did it. <laughs> you know what? I've done a lot of stuff I ain't got caught for. I did it. That's me, Lord. I need this, Lord. That's confession. You cannot receive until you get to the place of James where it says, if any one of you is sick, call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint it with oil and let them pray the prayer of faith and the prayer of faith will save the sick. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you might be healed. You're not getting healed because you're not confessing. You can't get saved unless you confess. If you're here this morning and you've not yet confessed your sins and given your life to Jesus Christ, you need to do it right now. He already knows. He's not waiting for you to get right. He's not waiting for you to stop doing something and start doing something before he forgives you. He just wants you to just admit it. 
It's that easy. That's all I got to do? Yeah. Just admit it. I need your grace. I need a savior. You're God and I'm not. One of the healthiest and safest place on the face of the earth. It should be the local church, but it's not. You know where it is? It's a 12-step recovery program. Because it's in a place like that where they don't edit their sins. They're not into damage control about their reputation. They show up and say, hey, my name is Jake and I'm a sex addict. You do that in church, you're going to clear that Sunday school room out. <laughs> you let one of these old mothers come into Sunday school room and say, y'all babies, I, y'all know what? <laughs> it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen, even if they are. They're going to continue to wear the mask. Go to recovery program. My name is, is, is uh, Sally. And I'm an alcoholic. My name is Mary and I'm a crackhead. They're confessing. They're in a place of receiving. And you know what happens? The other folks go around and say, hey, Mary, you know what? I am too. And guess what, Mary? Whenever you feel like you, you're, you're, you're going to use, instead of using, pick up the phone and call me. You know what? I'm going to drop whatever I'm doing. I'm going to be there. You do that with some of the saints. You know what? Oh, baby, I'm going to pray for you. You know, the Lord, the Lord is able he going to help you. Call me back in three days and let me know how that worked out for you. You done gone through $3,000 by the time you call them back. Adam, where are you? Stop acting like you don't have any sin. Bible says we, we are a liar if we say we have no sins. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Heartline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Parklawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.